Super Talk Mississippi media production. Specializing in Ford, Nissan, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, and Rams. CorinthAutoGroup.com and FordOfCorinth.com, where cars and happy drivers meet. Visit us now in person or online with the experience you deserve. What's up? Good morning. Back for another week, a special week, one of my favorite ones of the year. I say that probably about a bunch of weeks. I said it about the Masters. I say it about the opening weekend of college football. I say it about basically everything. But this is one of my most favorite sports weeks of the year. It's NFL Draft Week. Finally, it's NFL Draft Week, and I'm really excited about this one. So today, I I will get to baseball as well, because Mississippi State... Uh, The series finale happened yesterday. Um, If you missed it yesterday, uh, I talked a lot about the Ole Miss series loss on the Sunday show. Uh, So catch this in in podcast form. I upload the Sunday show to this podcast feed as well. Uh, So you can catch those thoughts there uh, if you want to hear more about the Ole Miss series. I will kind of summarize it at the end of this uh, in case you did miss it, though, and you don't feel like going back and listening to another one of my content items today. I've got so many, it's hard to keep up, but... Um, so if you want to go back and listen to it there, I will give you some thoughts on Mississippi State series loss to Vanderbilt. Um, you know, nothing to celebrate, obviously. You don't like losing series. It's not fun. But I do think Mississippi State went to Nashville, got what they needed to get, and they come back home to play a much worse Texas A&M team. So uh, I'll get to that. But the NFL draft is my thing, man. I, I cannot wait for this Thursday. Uh, I've I've read all these mock drafts and everything. I've got some thoughts, especially at the top. And then, of course, uh, there was a new mock this morning because there's always new mock drafts if you want one. Uh, but this time from Peter King that had Elijah Moore going to a really good spot. So we'll talk about all that this morning on Mike in the Morning. I am Michael Borky. I'm always glad, like I said, that you are with me uh, every weekday right about 8 a.m. I was uh, a little bit late this morning, so forgive me for that. Uh, but thank you for tuning in. If you watch on stream, this does get uploaded in podcast form in iTunes. Search Mike in the Morning. You will find this. It's got the special Super Talk done up logo. I think there's another podcast that if you search Mike in the Morning, it's it's definitely not mine. And it's not what it's called, but it still comes up also. You'll figure it out, I promise. And then my name will also turn up results in Spotify. So subscribe to the podcast. Leave a rating and a review. Also find me on YouTube. JP's watching on YouTube. Just my name. Just my name right there. Hit that subscribe button. You can find me on YouTube. Um, JP, I'll get to those uh, here shortly. Because um, I'll start with draft. I loved what Trevor Bauer said, though. JP's asking uh, comment, uh, thoughts on Trevor Bauer's comments. Uh, he said, basically, he said a lot of things, but basically, uh, baseball needs to not be about throwing at guys that hit home runs off of you if you don't like it get him out. And also if a guy's going to bat flip, when I strike him out, I might do a little something back at him and it's fun. It's loose. It's baseball. That's what we do. That it's good energy. So I, I loved what he said. Um, we need more of that. Uh, be, because I talk about this a lot. You guys are probably sick of it. That's the kind of stuff that makes baseball fun and hearing a major leaguer say, I'm not going to throw at a guy for bat flipping on me. He hit a home run off me. 
He can celebrate however he wants. But if I strike him out, I might do something back. And that, that's okay. That's how it should be. I love that. I absolutely love that. Um, JP also mentions uh, Southern Miss. They're now just a half a game back of first in Conference USA into the polls today. Let's see. I've got the D1 poll. I'll tell you right now. Uh, if they're not, they should be. But uh, I I will tell you right now if Southern Miss is in. They should be in. They absolutely should be in. Um, but you know how this goes. They are, yes, they are. Southern Miss is in at 23. So that's according to D1. Last week they were not ranked. Now they are 26 and 13 after their three and one week. They are at 23, just ahead of UC Irvine and just behind Nebraska is Southern Miss. So shout out to the Golden Eagles, where they belong right now. Not far ahead of them is Ole Miss. Ole Miss is all the way down to 19. Um, It's almost as if you can't lose a bunch of series in a row and everything's okay. But uh, that's what I keep being told. All right, so let's talk NFL draft. Uh, there's going to be little drama at the top. So I, I've got Peter King's mock out right now. Um, when Peter King's writing about football, I think he's fantastic. Um, anyway, I'll leave that at, uh, leave it at that. But uh, Trevor Lawrence is going to go number one. Uh, I have uh, I have heard that. Uh, he already has playbooks and stuff from the Jaguars. Like that, that's not even, I mean, everybody knows he's going number one anyway, but like he's already putting the work in to get ready for the season in Jacksonville already like in communication with urban Meyer and stuff like that. So uh, that's a foregone conclusion. They're still going to use all 15 minutes to make the pick on Thursday night. Uh, but that is a foregone conclusion for sure. Zach Wilson going uh, number two, every, that's like the consensus that Zach Wilson is going to go number two. And maybe the Jets surprise us, but man, what a mistake that's going to be. I I mentioned it a a little bit yesterday on the show, but Wilson is going to get, for lack of a better term, he's going to get screwed here. Zach Wilson is going to get screwed by the Jets. And and here's why I say that. As you know, the Jets aren't exactly the most talented team in the NFL, but there is a significant difference, no matter where a player is coming from, between pressure in the NFL, and open and covered in the NFL. In college, if you're covered, that might be open in the NFL. It's completely different. And pocket, in a clean pocket, in pressure, everything's just so much faster. Everything's closer. And Zach Wilson, last year, played behind an elite-level offensive line. I mean, BYU protected him extremely well. I've used this stat on the radio before. I'll use it again here with you. Um, In the bowl game, he was not pressured one time, let alone getting sacked or hit. Was not pressured one time in the bowl game. I mean, it is – the transition from college to the NFL for anybody is tough. But the transition from BYU's schedule – being protected better than anybody else in college, getting thrown right into the fire on a bad NFL team, I think that's awful. Uh, I think the Jets would have been better suited to keep Darnold for a year. I know they got something for him, but to keep Darnold for a year, let Wilson sit behind him at least for a little while and kind of figure out what it's like to be in the NFL and, and learn from behind instead of throwing him into the fire, basically, and just kind of learning as he goes. Uh You've got examples all over the NFL of guys, Tom Brady didn't start right away. Aaron Rodgers didn't start right away. I think you're better served 
especially with the transition that he's having to make, sitting first, learning, and then stepping in and being the starter eventually, not right away. That's um, I think that would serve him best, but that's just me. Uh, I'm fascinated mostly by the Atlanta Falcons. I think their draft is going to be the most interesting thing that I'm watching for on Thursday night is, is the Falcons. Because th- there are a lot of people that project them to take a quarterback that think they're going to take a quarterback. I wouldn't if I were Atlanta. I know Falcons fans are probably frustrated and done with uh, Matt Ryan. But, I mean, last year he threw for 4,600 yards or, or so. I think it was 4,600 yards, had a good completion percentage, t- touchdown to interception ratio was good, and he was on a bad team. And he's still got good years left. Like, he looks capable. Are you winning a Super Bowl with Matt Ryan at, at this point? Maybe not. But you don't need to go get a quarterback right now. What you need is to improve your roster right now. And now there's reporting that they're going to move on from Julio Jones because his contract is just really expensive right now. Um, and, he, you know, he's in his 30s. And um, he was injured last year. And they're in salary cap hell right now, are the Falcons. So they're taking calls right now on Julio Jones. And, and the, the twist here is it can't be for draft capital this year because that trade can't go into effect until after the draft. I don't know why the NFL can't do it like the NBA and basically you just draft for the team you're trading for, but I don't know. Either way, so they're going to move on from Julio Jones. At four, I would have considered moving back. I still would consider moving back if I were the Falcons. Get more capital, get some help on defense, and then get a replacement wide receiver. But there's an interesting element here where Kyle Pitts obviously is going to be available at number four. Taking Kyle Pitts, not trading back at all, but I would not move on from Matt Ryan. That That is not something that, if I were running the show in Atlanta right now, um, that's where I would go. They've got a rookie general manager, got him from the Saints, um, so maybe they're going to draft a little bit better this year, but they don't need to replace Matt Ryan right now. I, I wouldn't go down that road if I were them. They um, They need help. They need to build a roster because – if they just go quarterback, they still have roster problems. They've got a good quarterback. Fix your roster problems and then worry about replacing Matt Ryan when it's actually time to replace Matt Ryan. Don't do what Green Bay did and draft a quarterback basically for the sake of drafting a quarterback just to have a guy that is as good still as Aaron Rodgers is, even as good as Matt Ryan currently is. Because now the Packers wasted a first-round pick, and they they don't know what they're going to do with Jordan Love, and Aaron Rodgers is still at a high level. That was just a wasted pick. I think if the Falcons went who I, with a guy that I like, though, in Justin Fields, if that's where they the direction they went, I like Justin Fields. I would draft him myself. But if I were Atlanta, I'm not, I don't go quarterback. Because all you're going to do is just waste that pick. Because Ryan's going to give you multiple more years, and you've still got holes on your roster to fill. Especially if you're getting rid of Julio Jones, you need somebody to play wide receiver slash tight end. But Kyle Pitts is basically a wide receiver with his measurables. You need somebody that'll catch passes. If you're moving on from Julio Jones, you need somebody that can play a lick of defense. That's where they should go. So I'm really curious to see what the Falcons do uh, now that they're moving off Jones. According to Peter King, he thinks that um, the Carolina Panthers are going to be who drafts Justin Fields, and that would just be the dumbest thing I've ever heard. 
You want to talk about roster issues? The Panthers are full of them. And so, I mean, they're going to move off of Teddy Bridgewater, but when they draft Justin Fields, if Peter King is correct, and that's what they do, on Thursday they pick Justin Fields. They will have Bridgewater, Darnold, and Fields on their terrible roster otherwise. I mean, that would just be an absolute mistake. And again, I like Justin Fields. I would pick Justin Fields, but not if I were the Panthers. And I love how they're making Teddy Bridgewater some kind of scapegoat for being a, for them not winning games last year. Seeing the reaction from Panthers fans and, and opinion media like radio people like me, their reaction to Teddy Bridgewater mostly is kind of mind-blowing. Like, no, Teddy Bridgewater is not a, a league MVP caliber quarterback. He's not, but you didn't win games because Bridgewater's bad. You didn't win games because your roster's bad, and then you're just going to go trade for Darnold and then ship off Bridgewater and then draft another quarterback? At least that process makes sense because Darnold, they haven't picked up as the team option, and so maybe you have Darnold for a year and then move on uh, with, fields moving forward but they've got bigger problems on their roster too it's definitely not Teddy Bridgewater it's crazy I I mean they they bring him in to help the rebuild because he's steady he's good enough he's a good locker room guy and they just ship him off after one bad year with a rookie head coach and a terrible roster and then McCaffrey gets hurt I mean who expected them to win anything last year it's crazy I, I wish that they didn't give Bridgewater such a uh, massive contract because I would love him back in New Orleans. Please give me Teddy Bridgewater because you know what he would do? He would win games in New Orleans because the, the roster's good, unlike what they've got in Carolina. So go ahead. I mean, I mean, draft another quarterback and have Darnold in fields and hopefully you can move off Bridgewater, maybe send him to Denver if they don't pick a quarterback and your roster's still going to stink and you're still going to finish last in the division. Good luck. Good, uh, good luck. Uh, I do think that, or I wouldn't be surprised anyway, if uh, the New England Patriots move up to get Justin Fields. That fit makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, they need a quarterback. They've got Cam Newton, you know, just on the last year of their deal. Uh, Peter King right now has um, the Patriots not moving up at all and just drafting Devontae Smith from Alabama. He mentions that uh, uh, Kyle Trask will be available later for them if they want to get a quarterback. I wouldn't be surprised. If you get down to like, you know, if Denver picks Trey Lance or they don't take Justin Fields, if he falls past nine, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, New England maybe uh, was looking to trade into the top 10 to get Justin Fields. If I were Dallas, I'd be, you know, kind of pitching that. If Justin Fields is available at 10 and I'm Dallas, I move back. I get an extra pick or two and I move back. Let the Patriots take Justin Fields and give yourself more capital to keep building a defense. Uh, for Dak Prescott and the Cowboys. That's something that I would consider. That's something I'm watching for because I think the fields in New England fit makes sense. And uh, I do not believe, I, oh, maybe I'm wrong, I don't believe that uh, fields will be available at 15. If he is, the NFL's insane. The NFL's insane already. But if fields falls to 15, the league is crazy. I mean, sometimes everybody tries to outthink the room. Um, especially with the Justin Fields thing. Because I said this yesterday on the show, so forgive me for being repetitive, but every other quarterback at the top of the draft right now, everybody loves. Um, 
I mean, obviously everybody loves Trevor Lawrence, the hair and being the number one prospect out of high school and winning a national championship at Clemson. Like he's, everybody loves him. There's nothing negative at all about Trevor Lawrence. Zach Wilson, although he played at BYU and he's really a one-hit wonder and didn't play against anybody, doesn't matter. Everybody loves Zach Wilson. There's there's no negatives at all. They don't even mention that he wasn't selected one of the 18 captains last year for them, but that's fine. Trey Lance, everybody loves Trey Lance, so I'm not implicating anything like that. That's not my style. Everybody loves Trey Lance. Um but he played one game last year and only completed half of his passes against Central Arkansas. But there's nothing wrong with, with Trey Lance. But Justin Fields, because Dan Orlovsky said on ESPN that he's got character issues, he's going to fall this far in the draft. But but what does Zach Wilson do that Justin Fields can't do? Mac Jones is going to go three, possibly, to San Francisco. What What is... I don't understand why it's only Justin Fields that has gotten such scrutiny. Trey Lance played one game last year. Matt Jones has a, a, a mistake in his history. Zach Wilson wasn't a team captain. Why is it only Justin Fields that's getting this? I, I don't understand. I would pick him. That that Clemson game maybe clouds my judgment some, but what I saw in that game against Clemson was a, a dude that can do everything that you need a quarterback to do, and he's just a battler. But um, anyway, some team's going to pick Trey Lance over him, and and that'll be their mistake. Uh, because there's nothing that I've seen that Trey Lance can do that Justin Fields cannot do. And Justin Fields has done it against better teams. But again, what do I know? Uh, Peter King has the Cowboys getting defensive help, like I said, they need it. In this case, he has them not trading back. I mean, that's just kind of something I threw out there. I would like to see them trade back. That's something that I would consider. Uh, but Patrick Sertan uh, is who Peter King thinks the Cowboys are picking. That'd be a great pick. And if you're a Cowboys fan, you celebrate that. I know everybody loves offense, and, and they want Dak Prescott to get another toy, but that would be a great pick for Dallas uh, if that comes to fruition. Speaking of defense help, the Saints, that's where they're going to go uh, defensively. I would like to see them take a cornerback, especially because you don't know what it's going to be like with Marshawn Lattimore his legal situation, you may be without him for a little while. He may be available right away. Uh, Peter King has Tyson Campbell from Georgia going 28 to the Saints, the defensive back, but I, I would hate that pick. Uh, there's better defensive backs available uh, because the Saints need – And he, in his write-up, he mentions that you know he's he's got raw ability, but he's really raw. The Saints don't need raw. They need plug-and-play. They need a guy that can be a defensive back this season and give them snaps this season, not a project from Georgia that projects really well years from now. No, they need a guy right away. So I wouldn't love that pick, but they need defensive help. It's defensive back, linebacker. You get a wide receiver in the second round because this is a pretty deep draft there. They need defensive help immediately. And um, anything else I'd be disappointed with. You got you to get me a cornerback. There's really no choice at this point. And also, Peter King joins the list, uh, the growing list of people that have Elijah Moore going in the first round. Peter King has him going 27th to Tennessee. Uh, Corey Davis is gone. John U. Smith is gone. So uh, the Titans are basically down to A.J. Brown and then a bunch of just bodies at wide receiver. A.J. Brown needs some help. And ironically, it might come from a guy that shares an alma mater with him. Uh, that'd be a great place for. Uh, for Elijah Moore. 
I've seen some people project him to Jacksonville. Um, wouldn't love that for him, but with a new coaching staff and Trevor Lawrence and stuff, maybe that'll that'll work out better. Uh, looking at this part of the draft and who uh, will be picking players and needs and stuff like that, um, Tennessee would be an ideal situation for Elijah Moore. As would New Orleans, but I don't think New Orleans is going wide receiver in the first, even though they need one. Um, maybe Green Bay? They need some receiver help. But Tennessee would be an ideal spot for Elijah Moore, I think. Uh, that would work out great for him. Uh, got a competent quarterback, a good offensive scheme. He wouldn't have to be the guy right away. He's alongside a former teammate that uh, he seems to be really close to. That would be an ideal spot. Uh, for Elijah Moore. So those are some things just to, that I'm keeping an eye on in the draft, what the Cowboys do. Maybe they move back where Justin Fields falls to because everybody thinks he's going to fall. Uh, I do find it funny. Uh, again, this is another thing I mentioned yesterday, but um, you have people, NFL people, trying to convince all of us that the 49ers haven't decided who they're picking at three. I mean, so here was a report today. From the NFL Network, you've got to build up hype around your draft somehow. But it was the 49ers' focus at number three appears to have narrowed to Mac Jones and Trey Lance. Um, I, I just find it hard to believe that San Francisco has not already decided who they're going to pick. Now I'm sure they're doing their due diligence as anybody should. Interview some other guys, watch their pro days, see what they've got. But they didn't trade up with uh, without a guy in mind. They didn't trade up to, you know, we'll see. We'll see how they do in the interviews. No, they traded up with with a guy in mind. Um, So that always cracks me up. But that's what I'm watching in the draft. Um, Little drama at the top, what the Falcons do, especially now that they're moving on from Julio Jones. Uh, Cowboys need defense. The Saints need defense. Where Fields falls, what the Patriots do if the Panthers go ahead and draft another quarterback, because why not? because that's the only problem on their roster. Um, <laughs> uh, so, yeah. And then, of course, uh, Elijah Moore. Yeah, JP, I agree, man. 99% of all reports uh, are, are clickbait around the draft. Shanahan knows who he wants. I agree completely. He knows exactly who he wants, um, without a doubt. So, baseball. Mississippi State uh, lost a series to Vanderbilt yesterday. And, and here's what I'll say about that. And for some reason, Mississippi State fell. Um, down to six. So they fell two spots in the D1 rankings, down to six after losing a close series to Vanderbilt, which is not something that I would have done. But I know some fans don't like this line of thinking, but most of you guys get this. Mississippi State got exactly what they needed this weekend in Nashville. They got what they needed. Uh, of course, you would love to win a series. You, you don't like to lose series. Uh, that's that's no fun. You don't celebrate it. You're not happy. You're not fist pumping and everything like that for losing a series. But in the grand scheme of things, going on the road to Nashville, playing Vanderbilt, the goal was to get one. Chris Limonis wouldn't say that out loud. None of the players would say that out loud. They were close. I mean, they were close. That was a hard-fought series between two teams that I think are appropriately ranked right now. Uh, two legit contenders. Um, so I don't know why Mississippi State dropped. But anyway, um, you got what you came for. You go to Nashville, you win one, you come back home, you play Texas A&M, and you're, you're back on track. It, 
there's nothing negative to be taken away from this this weekend for Mississippi State. Kumar Rocker did Kumar Rocker things on Friday night because that's who he is. And when he's locked in like that, you're not beating him. No matter what you do, if you're locked, if he's locked in like that, you're not beating him. It doesn't matter. Uh, you jumped on lighter, and uh, that was a really impressive game on Saturday night. And then yesterday, you just came up a little short on Sunday. You don't like to lose series, but you don't hate this one either. You're not mad at it. You go there, and you, you win a game, and you come back home, and, and everything's on track. You're still right there uh, for a national seed. Everything is all good right now for Mississippi State. Uh, and just how should I put this other than goal accomplished? That's what I would say. Just goal accomplished. You go up there, you don't get swept, you come back home, and it's all good. They've got Texas A&M this week, and then they turn around and go to South Carolina. Who's? That's not an easy road trip, but it's not Vanderbilt. And then you host Missouri and then go to Alabama to end the year. So, very easy ending schedule for Mississippi State, relatively speaking. Uh, they got through the difficult part for sure, and now they can settle in and pile on some wins and secure that national seed as we move forward. So, um, again, not ideal, but you accomplished uh, you accomplished your goal. You get one, all good for uh, for Mississippi State. And then on the Ole Miss side, I talked about it a lot uh, on the Sunday show yesterday. Like I said. I also had to do another podcast about it last night. And so I will spare you guys going through all that again. You can check those out if, if you want to hear more. But basically what it comes down to for Ole Miss is uh, this. Um, losing four series in a row, regardless of how this last one ended with the walk-off, which is great, um, it's not good. They're in a world of hurt right now. They're kind of in a free fall. They've gone from 1 to 19 and 4 weeks um they are right there but that's the problem is they're right there and they're not getting it done so this team has to get right quick or else we're headed towards an another postseason inevitability where fans expect um the same thing they've seen so often over the years because Ole Miss is close they're very talented they're starting pitching you can put up against anybody in the country you can make an argument that Ole Miss is starting pitching, at least their one-two punch, you would take over Vanderbilt's because right now in conference play, Nikhazy greater than lighter. You can make an argument. I would still take Kumar Rocker, of course, but you you can make that argument and not sound stupid. So they've got the starting pitching. They've got talent. One of the better offenses in the SEC statistically, but they're losing these close games. And it's... The better teams on their schedule have made the plays in the right moments that they have not. Ole Miss boots the, the ball around a couple times on Thursday night, and they lose that game to LSU. All they have to do is play clean baseball in the first, and they win that series. But they don't do that. One clutch hit to change a the game, they don't do it. Miss playing balls in the outfield, not fielding bunts correctly. Little things like that that this team does poorly that their opponents do not, and that's why they're losing these close games. They're as talented as these teams that they're playing, but they're losing these games because they're they're not playing clean baseball. They're sloppy right now. And sloppy's not winning a regional. Sure as hell isn't winning a super regional. So, you know, maybe the walk-off was a galvanizing point. Maybe it was. But 
wake me up when regional play begins. It's basically where uh, where everybody's at at this point. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Always glad that you are with me with a little draft talk. I got to do it. I love the draft so much. And uh, I'll do another one of these after the draft on Thursday night because I'll be out of town this weekend. So no stream on Friday morning. Uh, but thank you guys for, for tuning in, as you always do. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, and I will talk to you guys again tomorrow morning. Talk Mississippi Media Production.